three, two, seven. Yes. Almost. Okay. Are yeah? you recording? Yeah. Okay. You always ask that. I do. Even though the click is audible. I can't read. <laughs> Hi, Phil. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm tired. My head yeah. hurts a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want some Tylenol? No. Okay. I want to go to sleep. No, you've been sleeping for like a full day. I know, but I'm still tired, and I still don't feel good. E. Well, well, we we can power through this. I think if we talk, you'll you'll feel better. Power down. Yes. All right. Anyway. Hi. Hi, Tara. What do you want to talk about today? I don't know what I want to talk about today. You, you had the, the idea, though. You act like the list isn't on your phone, too. You're you right. want to point fingers. I mean, I do. We're going to talk about addiction today. Oh, joy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big boy issue. It's a big boy topic. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to try to refrain from being as, you, you know comical and and our usual stupid shit yeah that ain't gonna work yeah i know that ain't gonna work i I, try though it sounded good didn't it 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 sounded a little bit like this was important i mean it is important (laughs) it's it's an important topic it's pretty important yeah uh so i don't personally have anything um in the realm of addiction i've never gone to any kind of like rehab i've never gone to any kind of like meetings aana anything like that um truth be told i was pretty ignorant when it came to addiction yeah yeah because um i always looked at it like if you have the wherewithal to start it you have the wherewithal to stop okay okay so that was that was my level of ignorance that I came in to that with because that's how everybody around me when I was growing up treated it. Like, even though my mom drinks and my uncle drinks and shit like that, they, like, mom, I, I think my, I don't think my mom has ever gone to, like, an AA meeting. Okay. Like, out of just pure because. You know, like, she's, she's never acknowledged that she's had a problem. Okay. It's always been like, okay... You had a DUI, you have to go to these classes, or you get to spend time in the slammer for, like, a month. Yeah. So she went and did classes, and then it's like, oh, you, yeah, they helped, and they didn't. So it's like, <sighs> Yeah. You know, but, so then, um, when it came to drugs. Drugs are good for you. Drugs buy it, okay? Um... <laughs> But when it came to drugs, like, everybody in my family is, like, wholeheartedly against it. Like, you know, uh, weed is a drug no matter what. It's, you know, drugs are bad. Yeah, I know. Drugs are bad. And uh, they're they're very, like, drugs are not good. Which, I mean, okay, I can understand that. Drugs are not good. No. You know? (laughs) But... I mean, I think their level of ignorance kind of helped perpetuate my level of ignorance with it. Okay. So, yeah. That's that. That's where I'm at with it. And I've never experienced... I've never experimented with any kind of, like, drugs um, or anything like that. I was around it mm-hmm. a lot. Like, I was around a lot of... Uh, 
Bonafide losers. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Well, no, I wouldn't call them bonafide losers. They were some. I mean, I'm a bonafide loser, but I still rock. So I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? I'm a loser. <clears throat> but um. But I'm not who I appear to be. I, I don't it's know. a Beatles song. Oh yeah, sorry, right over my head. I saw that. Um, but like, I hung out with a lot of people that smoked. You know, a lot of the the weed. The, the marijuana? Yeah. Uh, the married iguanas? The married iguanas. Son of a bitch. The married iguanas. That's amazing. But, like, I never, you know, I never experimented with it. And it wasn't, like, a thing of because I grew up going, no, it's it's bad. It's not good. It's like, no, nah, I'm good. I just. No interest? Yeah, no interest. It never, it never sparked me that way. Do you think it's because you've always told drugs are bad in okay, D.A.R.E. program? Oh, fuck no. Oh, fuck no. No, you know what? Okay, so I have a problem with the D.A.R.E. program. <laughs> I have a huge issue with the D.A.R.E. program sitting here as a 28-year-old male. <laughs> because the D.A.R.E. program in school made it seem like there were people around every fucking corner in any city. Not like the small town. Not like Willoughby or like a Painesville type of thing. We're talking like Chicago, like big name cities, right? <laughs> and they made it seem like there were dudes around every fucking corner with a big trench coat and a like a, a big wide brimmed fedora. And they're like, <laughs> "Hey kid, you want to buy some mescaline? You know, like some shit mm-hmm. like that." And it never happened. It like it was, I know it's pretty disappointing that it never happens. Well, not only was it like, <laughs> well, not only was it kind of disappointing, but like they they perpetuated this fear about it, and then it went like it. it I mean, obviously, it was way worse before the Dare program started. You know what with the, you know the 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 cocaine epidemic, and you know there's a whole uh, there's a whole list of shit I can go into about games and and drugs and shit like that. But I that's that's an episode for another day. And, like, they made it seem like the outside world was, like, an episode of Batman where there were criminals everywhere. Like, there was a criminal around every corner willing to get, or getting ready to give kids drugs. I mean, that would have been nice. Were they free? That's what I need to know. My education of, uh, of, of drugs was very, um, minuscule. It's, it's always been, like step uh, like point a to b to c that's it and and there's never been like anything in between and and they never like brought like because in my memory i can never remember them bringing in anybody that actually had a drug problem you know and then saying hey it's serious it's like you know it could be brought on by the onset of childhood trauma or personal trauma or anything you know and it's like they just made it seem like you know oh you you get buy that one cigarette and that's it. You're 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 done for there. They throw your future out the window. It's like, well, wait a minute. It can't be that black and white. It just can't be because nothing else nothing else is that black and white. So how the fuck is this that black and white? You know, and so a lot of my ignorance came from misinformation, mm-hmm. and a lot of it came from I just didn't know. Dumbed down misinformation. Yeah, and and I, I'll I'll be the first to admit a lot of it came from the fact that one I never had the the gumption to like pursue any kind of education about it because I, I like I don't want to say I didn't care about it but I didn't really care about mm-hmm. it because it wasn't affecting you. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, I'm good with that. It wasn't it, like it wasn't affecting me directly, but mm-hmm. like there was still levels of addiction going on in my life that were affecting me. I just didn't realize it until much later on, like the alcoholism from my parents or, or you know, being around that kind of stuff. I didn't realize how it was affecting me emotionally and mentally as a child. And then now that I'm older, I look back on it and go, yeah, that was kind of fucked up. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, you know. And I'm going to tell you, the older you get and the more you're aware of it, mm. the more you're going to see. The more you're going to look back and go like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's why I'm fucked up. Yeah. And, like, and a lot of it comes from, like, you know, repressing memories and repressing mm-hmm. things that have happened or, you know, things that people told you that have Like, Granny could sit down with you and tell you story after story after story about... My mom and I living in a shitty apartment and, you know, me running around in a diaper with no clothes on and she's in the kitchen. What are you doing? Don't worry about it. Oh, and she's in the kitchen doing some not good shit or in the bedroom doing some not good shit, you know, and it's like, but I I don't remember any of that. And I don't think it's because it was repressed. I think more or less it was like, I, I, I would definitely attribute some repression of it. But I think a lot of it just comes from, like, I, I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's what kind of makes me a little bit lucky with it, is that the less I knew really was for the better. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a big boy adult topic, yeah. for sure. I mean, I have my own, um, I don't want to say, like, friendship... <laughs> <laughs> but I have my own, like, relationship with the idea of addiction mm. um, for obvious reasons and not-so-obvious reasons. Because um, I, too, grew up with the parentals mm. using and, and whatnot. I mean... Them indulging a little bit too hard. Uh, indulging is a nice word, yeah. Oh, diving headfirst, no, like, caution to the wind type of shit? Yeah, um... Like for sure, my my biological mom, like her her parents drank and drank and drank. Mm. And I say, go to bed with half a beer still in the nightstand, wake up and finish it, seven days Ew. a week. Oh God. Yeah, kind of bad. And then you know I, I have a problem drinking like even like a sip of a warm Pepsi. I can't imagine somebody grabbing like a, a warm to to consciously drink a warm beer, especially like a cheap canned beer, uh. is like. That's that's but dedication. Even a bo- but even a bottled beer, I it's mean, it's dedication, man. It's I mean, no, it's disgusting. Yeah, you no, you can't no, you can't attribute that to dedication. Dedication is like finishing a fifteen-hour book, you know, in one sitting. That's dedication, or doing like a a three D uh, one third scale of Big Ben in like fifteen thousand piece puzzles, you know. Everything you just said to me was Japanese. I, I could okay. not comprehend it. It's all good. <laughs> Too many descriptor words. But, yeah, it's it's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, Jill is the same way, though. You know, she'd, she'd, she'd get up, she'd start drinking, she'd go to bed drinking, you know. I can't tell you how many times I'd, I'd seven, eight, nine years old playing outside with my friends and, and it'd be cold outside or whatever. And Ryan would be running around in his diaper in the driveway because Jill passed out on the couch again and didn't lock the door. You know? 
or, I, I or also, shit like that. And it's just, I think back on it and I'm like, damn, I'm you want to be a mom here. now? Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and that kind of goes into the, uh, the kid, like the, the, I know you've seen the old meme where it's like, if you drank out of the water hose, um, you know, you, you, you could survive the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you could live like running around in nothing but your knickers, you know, out in the snow and the cold and the rain and the shit, you know. But, you know, how much of that really wasn't just Ryan wanting to be just weird? No. He was, like, two or three. Like, still on diaper, crying. Oh. The neighbor came over and was like, um, where's your mom? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I'm gonna, she kicked me out of the house at 9 a.m. And I've Jesus just been Christ. running around, you know. Hanging with my friends. Right. I didn't have many friends, so I just played on the swing set by myself. But still, oh. it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh. But it's just, I remember things like that happening, and it's like, at the time, I was like, why do you do that? Why don't you just stop, you know? Why can't you just be a mom? And that comes to a lot of the ignorance that I had, too. Yeah. It's like, well, why can't you just stop? I didn't get an, any education on it through D.A.R.E. or through my grandparents saying, you know, don't do this, don't do that, no, nothing like that. It came from my own hard, hard-earned experience that I learned what addiction is. Which is one way to, like, learn, but it's also not the best way it's to learn. It's definitely not the best. <laughs> hmm, can I get addicted to this? Oh, shit! No, I it was more so. like, I've been told this is an addictive substance, but I don't care. Right. And then we go down the rabbit hole for a couple months, and I can't figure out why I can't wake up, go to bed, take a shower, take a shit, without having something in my system. Hmm. Oops, figured it out. That's why, yeah. And then I feel the guilt of, like, for so long, I was like, well, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just, you know, all these people around me, and now I can't. Right. So it's like, if I'd only known... And then I use more because I feel bad and I don't want to feel bad. That hindsight is twenty twenty type of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I gotcha. it's, oh, I, I just, I pray that someday there's like, there's no cure for addiction, but I pray that there's somebody figures something out and there's like a borderline cure. Like maybe yeah. it doesn't fix everybody, but something where it's just like, there you go. There's your answer. You're, you're, you're fucking free. Learn your lesson. Don't do it again. Because mm. you know, well, th- jails, institutions, and death aren't doing it. Well, and you know what? I think that that term, uh, finding a cure for, a- insert anything, you know, yeah. disease or, or addiction, because addiction is a disease, and that and that also plays into the big part of uh, the ignorance that I had is that I didn't think of it as a disease, just like for a long time I didn't think of alcoholism as a disease. I thought of alcoholism and drug addiction and drug dependency was a. <sighs> Not a mental disorder, but, like, it was a choice. Like, mm-hmm. you clearly made the choice. So, again, why can't you just make the choice not to? You know? But somebody coming into it with a level of ignorance that I had, or had, still kind of have, because I, I still don't know everything about it. But, you know, I'm learning as as we're going along in this yeah. weird little roller coaster of ours. But a lot of it comes from a thing of, yeah. I would suggest that you could stop, but then you've also told me, you know, a person who, who gets addicted to drugs or gets addicted to, you know, uh, alcohol has to have the want to be clean, mm-hmm. has to want to stop, and a lot of people don't. And again, that goes from people with post-traumatic stress disorder, something has happened in their life, it's a coping mechanism, it helps them forget 
you know, and shit mm-hmm. like that. And I totally understand that. But I think throwing that, like, just... Really, it's a bargain bin type of term. Finding cure. a cure? Yeah, like, we have to find the cure for addiction. Well, but that's the thing. You can't... Because there's people who want it, who want to be clean, but can't stick to it. Right. And they die. Right. Or they end up in a situation that perpetuates their misery. And eventually, they die. Right. I mean, so if we could find a way to ease along the process of getting better, fuck yeah, I'm all in. I mean, but that's that's also why we have meetings, we have Suboxone, we have, you know, alcohol and drug treatment centers, mm. we have counseling, we have IOP. There's a lot of things that are available, but a lot of these things are fucking expensive. Which so is, again, you perpetuate the misery. Which is total Thanks, horseshit. American Health System. I appreciate you. Exactly. Which is total horseshit because it's it, it goes into the same thing of if you are an elderly person and you have to pay upwards of thousands of dollars for basic medication just so you can survive another day. Like my friend Dana. Mm-hmm. He has to pay thousands of dollars. I'm assuming thousands of dollars because I don't know the actual like figure. But... I'm going to say over the course of three months, he has to pay probably upwards of two, maybe to $5,000 worth of insulin because he's diabetic. Why is it so fucking expensive when it's just as easy to go? There were people, and he's told me, there are groups of people that go across the border into Canada to buy insulin over the fucking counter Mm -hmm. for pennies on the dollar in Canada and then bring it back here. But then when they bring it back here, if they get caught with it, then the, the drugs get confiscated and then they're shit out of luck it's like we why are we the only country that shits on unhealthy people considering that we are the we are the number one country with like the most health problems you know the 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 commander it's all a money game right and the commander in cheeto wants to sit up there and go oh yeah we're doing great with the coronavirus deaths no no, no the fuck we're not we we are not doing good we are actually we're doing good in the realm of we are leading everybody in death then sure, yeah, we're we're fucking we're killing it. We're the Usain Bolt yeah. of the the coronavirus game right now. But the, exactly, and that that bargain bin term of we need to find a cure doesn't exist because you can't cure a disease totally. You know, like think about it. Think about the flu. You can't cure the flu because it mutates. You can't cure the common cold because it mutated from the flu. You can't, like, there are some diseases that, yeah, have been cured. or Polio. Right. And, but, and you know what? That's the one that everybody always goes back to. Anytime somebody, may, anytime somebody goes, well, polio was wiped out. I just like the word. I'm sorry that I aggravated you. No, no it, it's, it's fine because it, it does, you know, it's uh, water polio, <laughs> what I call it, you know, but... Or Marco Polio or whatever. Um, but, like, they go, well, polio was wiped out. It's like, okay. You're naming one. Out of how many? Yeah, out of thousands. That's Ooh. like naming the one Metallica album that doesn't suck. Trick question. They are all pretty shitty. Nobody really likes Metallica. They like Metallica so they don't get their ass beat by the 15,000 other Metallica fans in their little vests. Yeah. It's, well, going back to the whole, it's, you know, disease versus choice. I know a lot of people who will sit here and tell me to my face that it is a choice. You know, that I, I chose to pick up those drugs. I chose to put that alcohol in my mouth. I chose to whatever. Yes, that's true. I, I made that choice. To an The extent. first time. Right, to an extent. The second, third, tenth, ninth, nine hundredth, like, the whole line after that. 
was not my choice. But then you have to wonder where the line blurs when it becomes not a choice and a coping mechanism. Because if you're dealing, like, we'll use you as an example. If you're okay, dealing, thanks. <laughs> well, I don't fucking see anybody else here. Do you, Marie? If you look at, at somebody and go, yeah, it, it's a choice. You chose to pick up that needle. You chose to pick up that bottle of booze. Right. That That's true. But how much of that, like I said, how much of that line gets blended when it becomes a coping mechanism to deal with shit that you have to deal with in everyday life? So this will go back to your ignorance part. The first time was a choice, whether it was me, you know, playing around and going, well, what does this feel like? Mm. Um, curiosity, whatever. Um, like the first time, second time, sure. It's just me toying around and me figuring it out. But if I like that feeling, if mm. that gives me what I'm looking for, it's not my choice after that. Because people who have the disease of addiction are wired differently. It's like saying, you know, he can run because he was built with the, the, the body figure to run long distance, mm. whereas somebody who's shorter and thicker is meant for boxing. You know, they're, they're, they're two structurally different people. That means, you know, that they are, they're both people, they both have the same anatomy, but they're different structure. My Physically brain, and genetically. My brain and your brain are also the same way. Mm. So, like, you don't have an addiction problem. You, you, you know, you're, you're one of the few lucky people in this world that <laughs> doesn't have to, you know, you come from the line of it, but, you, you know, you haven't found that, that thing that fucked you up yet. Mm. Thankfully. Hopefully you never will. Now, my brain is a little different because once my brain found what I was looking for, which was the, the escape from reality, it was the escape from pain, it was to, to take the edge off of my misery. Mm. I was dealing with a death somebody very close to me i was dealing with you know my parents being divorced i was dealing with the struggles of being a teenager mm. you know my friends were dying around me that kind of thing but i didn't understand really what was going on mm. and i knew that this bottle of pills and i knew that this bottle of booze when i put them together it made me feel some kind of way and it made you forget about everything for a while i literally forgot about everything i remember there would be times where i would take the same things together or try something new, and it would intensify the pain. Mm. So I would sob in the driveway at 2 a.m., holding a bottle of Grey Goose, going, why the fuck isn't this working, and then taking more. Mm. Excuse me. And that's where it feeds in. Like, the addiction has me now, but my tolerance is going up. Mm. So now I'm spending more, and I'm using more, and I'm drinking more, and I'm doing more, and my body can't keep up. Mm. See, like, in the beginning, it's like, yeah, I made the choice to pick it up. I made the choice to try it. But once my brain re recognized what was happening and my body was feeling certain things, mm -hmm. I didn't have a choice anymore. That disease perked up and said, hello, how are you? I'm here to stay. Mm. And that was the only way I knew how to survive. Because after a while, when you become tolerant to something and you build an addiction with something... Your body will go through withdrawals. Mm. I don't know if you know this or not, but alcohol withdrawal will kill you. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that scared me when I when I realized how deep I was in very shortly into this. I was like, oh, fuck. Not only am I trying to stop my heart with the concoction of, of pills and shit that I was doing, but once it wore off... My body wasn't able to keep up with the wear off. It was like, what right. the fuck? So, you know, like my body wanted to shut down. 
And the only way to keep me from shutting down was to keep using. The only way to keep the pain away was to keep using. And, and I didn't know how to stop. Right. I couldn't. I wanted to at one point, And I was like, I can't stop. But fuck it. At least I don't have to feel anymore. Right. And then, of course, word gets out. Hey, Tara's fucked up, you know. Went home. I, was, I remember I was in college at the time. And I was on some, uh, some medicine for my mental health. And I fucked up. And I had taken half the bottle hmm. while in school within four hours because I couldn't calm myself down. Mind you, I had the tolerance. Hmm. I couldn't calm myself down. I couldn't calm myself down. I, could, I just kept, like, pills, Getting handfuls. Worse. And it was just, it was not happening. And I finally, I was like, listen, I have to go home. I'm having a reaction to my medicine. I got to go. And teacher was like, oh, yeah, no problem, whatever. They all knew I was anxious, and they all knew I dealt with some mental health shit. So they were like, whatever, you know, just be back tomorrow, whatever. And I remember I went home. My friend dropped me off in the driveway. And by the time I walked from the driveway to my bedroom, I hadn't even taken my book bag off. And I fell onto my bed, and I ate eight more pills. And mind you, there was, like, maybe eight left in the bottle of 30. Mm. And I started sobbing because it was just, I could feel this pain mm. and this anxiety literally becoming physical inside of me. And I thought I was going to die because now the room's spinning and, and, and I can't think straight. Mm. And I remember I texted my stepmom and I was like, I fucked up. That's all I remember. It was just like, I fucked up. And somehow she knew. Mm. I think she knew all along, just couldn't say anything. Right. And she worked, like, ten minutes away at the time. And she was there in, like, a matter of seconds. And she was at my bedside. And she's like, what the fuck did you take? And I was like, well, I took this. And then I drank a beer to wash it down. And da 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 And I don't remember anything until I was in the ambulance. And the paramedic was like, hey, was this a suicide attempt? And I'm like, um, sure. I don't know. Probably not. And the next thing I remember after that was waking up in a hospital bed with my dad standing at the foot of my bed. Hmm. I don't remember what all happened. I don't, I don't remember when I got there. I just remember that I had to pee when I woke up. And I said I wanted to make gangbang. Hmm. And when they walked me to the bathroom, somebody I knew from high school was getting stitches put in her finger two doors down. And she goes, oh my God, what are you doing here? And I was like, apparently I died. Damn. Yeah. I don't remember much after that. I just I just remember that there was I had I had to do outpatient. I remember that for like you had to go at first you have to go like three times a week for three to four hours a time at a time. And then they like downgrade you to like twice a week or something like that. She told me I had to go to meetings, but I only went to one and mm. she passed me anyway. I didn't start going to meetings for a while until after that because I didn't want it. Right. I didn't care. See, and that's the thing, too. It's like you, you when you have people that are supposed to be in charge of these programs and, and when they can give less of a fuck about the patient than the patient gives less of a fuck about themselves, mm -hmm. then, yeah, there are going to be people dying in the fucking streets like rabid beasts. You know, and it, it, it speaks to not only the level of ignorance that a lot of people have, but it speaks to the level of ignorance that a lot of our elected officials have, that they don't understand what addiction is. And then but and then it, they go and get caught doing close to, if not more heinous shit, mm -hmm. you know, a, a perfect example 
would be um I know you never watched it, but there was a show in the nineties called The West Wing. And the writer on the show, I think uh the, the, the head writer, Aaron Sorkin, I think like two seasons in got busted at LAX with um psychedelics, mushrooms, cocaine, a whole bunch of shit. Oh, shit. And what he was doing was he was getting like astronomically fucked up and then he would go and write. But the show like politically the show was dog shit. But it won him a lot of awards because it had like Bradley Whitford, it had a whole bunch of like a cavalcade of amazing actors that were able to pull off the show. But even when it came to like w- with him, he never saw it as an addiction. He saw it as a coping mechanism because at the time he was dealing with a divorce mm-hmm. from his wife. I think he'd been married for like I think like five or ten years or something like that, and he was dealing with a divorce and he was getting into drugs and drinking and, and women and shit like that. So it, it, it kind of speaks not only to the level of civilian ignorance, but the level of, like, elitist ignorance, too. And, and I use the term elitist very loosely because I don't know how to put those... Uh, like, I don't know how to put people in higher places of power in different subgroups other than just the elites... Yeah. Because that's basically who they are. They're they're better than us, for lack of a better term, you know? But, I mean, they look at it like, well, all I have to do is go in, do a month or two of rehab, I'm out of the public eye for a month or two, I come back, I make a roaring comeback. It's like, oh my god, he, he did it, he got himself clean. He's like, no, he's yeah. not. It's like he, that that he's guy. Clean, he's does, clean for the uh, camera. Malibu or whatever, where they cure addiction. Celebrities go there and they cure. Oh addiction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, get out of here. It doesn't work that way. That, it's an uh, ongoing, lifelong process. At that oh, point. who the fuck was it? The Doctor Drew kind of thing. Sure, I don't know. Yeah, he dude he, in a Hawaiian shirt with the big like mansiony looking Malibu sails. See the the only one that I know of that ever did like the celebrity ones. They all do. But if like, you read the books. Well, like the the only one that but I they know. go most of them go in under aliases. Yeah. Just so that they can have you know their anonymity. Mm. Funny, isn't it? Um, but yeah, like everything from from football players to fucking Britney Spears, like all, all everything in between. Mm. Like, it's crazy. A lot more people do cocaine than you think. Oh yeah. Well, you know, and you have to think about, you have to think about the kind of time it was, you know, like when those people were coming up. Still. Yeah. Well, especially for like the late nineties, like, or the, the early nineties, the late eighties, you know, because you had, and that also kind of speaks a lot to, uh, the level of popularism that drugs and alcohol are given because you get movies like Scarface, Al Pacino, Martin Scorsese, one of the greatest movies ever made. It's about a drug dealer. It's about a guy who came over here from Cuba, started selling cocaine, and he blew up. Well, everybody looked at it and went, "That that's what I want. I want that life. Mm-hmm. And they only looked at it, and they, they didn't look at it from the realm of, here's a guy who is perpetuating a problem during a time when this kind of a problem was so bad, people were literally being butchered in the street for this drug. 
and it perpetuated this whole thing of like he's the Robin Hood, like he's he's the cool anti-hero that everybody wants to be. The you know the Tony Montana, the you know the the all those guys, and it's dangerous because that kind of shit is extremely damaging to people that have to deal with addiction. That people who are dealing with a cocaine addiction and they're like, yeah, that's some shit that can actually happen. Like if you go to buy cocaine from somebody and they think you're a cop, there's no second thought. You're going to die. Yeah. Or if you go, hey, I'm trying to like sell some just so I can make some money and you cross the wrong person, you'll end up in, in, in a bathroom chained up to the the the, the curtain rod and you'll be chopped in, up into bits with a chainsaw. Yeah. You know, they just look, they look at it from like, they look at it from the, through Hollywood glasses. They don't look at it like when they take like, the, ooh, the life of the party or ooh, the badassery. Yeah. It's Another, like, no, it's a, it's not actually like that. No. And anybody <laughs> who truly believes that it's like that, okay, well then you need to go back and live in the 80s and you need to fucking stay there. A, a good show that really um, kind of, not perpetuated it, but kind of brought addiction into the forefront was um, a show a show called Californication. Okay. And it had... Um, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> That's why they, they named it that, too. Um, I think they were actually in an episode, if memory serves. But it was... Um, oh, God. I can't remember what the guy's name was. He was the dude from X-Files. I don't know if you ever watched X-Files. Yes. Okay. Not, not Skelly, the other one, the okay. guy... Yeah. Okay, so he, it's going to hit me later, and I'm going to get mad because I should have known this. But he is. Somebody's going to listen to this and go, I know what he's talking about. Listen to me. But it's yeah. a recording, so he can't, you know, you can't hear him. Exactly. But so in the show, um, he, the, the, the main writer plays a, or the main guy plays a writer. Uh, he's a book writer. And uh, coffee not taste good? No. Nah, okay. Tastes, tastes funny. Yeah. I'm telling you, it might be that creamer. It's probably what made your stomach all fucked up. Coffee addiction. Yeah, it's the creamer. You think so? It's the creamer for sure. Tastes like raspberry. It's the oh oh yeah uh, yeah it's the creamer. Okay. You could probably only use a little bit of that. I didn't use much. No. No. Ugh. It also doesn't have sugar in it though because I'm out of sugar. Ugh. Should probably check the data. But there's like a lot of sugar in the creamer. That's probably what it is, too. Sugar can be an addiction. Coffee can be an addiction. Caffeine. Porn. Caffeine, porn, gambling. Okay, um, so you know what? Addiction to hoarding things, addiction to getting rid of things. So uh, you've you've dealt with addiction. Yeah. So here is... (laughs) Kind of have the serenity bird tattooed across my entire arm, so... You know what? Funny, (laughs) Funny story about that. So because my mom is an alcoholic... Granny didn't know what that was on your arm. And oh. I, well, I told her because she's like, she's got all those tattoos because Graham's got a thing about tattoos. But on you, they're like, she likes them. Okay. Because they're nice. The bird and, and they're not like, you don't have like a whole sleeve either. Not yet. Know? Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll wait on that one. But she was looking at the one on your forearm and she goes, that's so pretty. What is that? And I'm like, oh, it's the serenity prayer. And she's like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a, you know, drug and alcohol thing. She goes. Wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, and that's when I told her. And I felt, and like I told you, I felt bad telling her because I'm like, that's not my place to tell her. That's yeah. like more of a you thing. But that first fucking thing she asks me, do you think your mom would know what that is? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, fuck no, mom won't know what that is. And she <laughs> goes, well, how do you know? And I'm like, because mom has to go to a meeting to know what that mm-hmm. is. And mom doesn't go to those. 
You know, I actually, side note, I actually decided I was getting this done, like, three years before I got it done. Because I was in Madison. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. It was... July 25th, 2015. That was a year. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 2015. It was right after I got clean. Okay. No, I'm sorry. 2017. Fuck. I'd have to get my book. Hang on. Because I have the actual date written down. Okay. Ooh. And then I'll tell you the story. Oh, boy. I actually write a lot of shit down in my book. But, anyway. Jesus Christ. Got enough notes there, girl. No. This is clean. Compared to what it usually looks like. Where is it? Um, I would have put that on the fucking cover. I thought it was on the cover. I don't know where it went. You know what? It might be. Anyway, I was at a meeting in Madison. I know that for sure. And this gentleman was speaking. Mind you, I wasn't in the right state of mind at this point because I was just looking at him. Hmm. I wasn't really listening because he was like mid-20s, maybe late-20s. He had the black button-up shirt that was just tight enough that you could tell he had arm muscles. He wore a little tie, skinny jeans with it. And he just had a cute face. And I was just like, ah, Hang on, let me wipe the drool, you know? Gotta check uh, under your watch, too. There's no drool today. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) But, yeah, he was was talking, and the only line out of his entire lead... In AA, they call it something different. It's called a lead, not Mm. a nail. And out of the whole thing, the only thing that I remember him saying was freedom from the binds of self-madness. That's what recovery gave him, was the freedom from the binds of self-madness. And I hung on to that. I actually wrote it in this book mm. somewhere. I don't know. There's a lot written here, so I, I have to look for it. But it was. I remember the day was um, July 25th, 10 days after my clean date. Mm-hmm. And he said that. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, that's fucking beautiful. Like, he, he wasn't very, like, artistic or anything. You know, he had, like, the tattoos and everything. But it, he was just like, I do landscaping. Mm. You know, just kind of like whatever. And that was like the one line I held all the all these years, you know. It was like, "Fuck yeah, my dude, fuck yeah." I think it was twenty seventeen. Mm. Now that I think about it, because my clean date was in seventeen. But I'm just like, wow. You know that that right there sums up everything that mm. I've held on to since. Like it's that's what that's what the end end goal in quotes is. Is like, holy shit. To be free from the, 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 the chains of the past, from the chains of repetition, from, mm. from all the bad shit that you've done, did, and, and have said, and have been. Mm. You know, you're, you're capable of being a, a, a sane, productive member of society, respectable member of society, a, a, a human being worth love, you mm. know. Not saying anybody in addiction isn't worth loved, but it's just things like that where it's like damn and then i was like listening and then you know they all do the prayer you know they do the the our father and the serenity prayer our father is more for aa i've noticed and then like the serenity prayer is an na Mm. 
but I'm not going to get into the differences between the two because I do I, I do appreciate both being in existence. But sitting in that meeting, I heard that line, and I looked over to the guy sitting next to me, and he had his sleeves pulled up because he had a hoodie on. I don't know why. It was in the middle of fucking uh, July, but he had the serenity prayer, the whole serenity prayer, wrapped down his arm, mm. like from shoulder to wrist. And I was like, I'm going to do something like that. Mm. And I think everybody who's new in recovery does that kind of thing. But I waited to get mine done. And I like I had it in my head. That's exactly what I wanted to get done. But you want you waited because you wanted to prove to yourself that you would stick with it. Yeah. And not just like be one of the the, the common folk of like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to go get it done because everybody else is doing it. Yeah. You know. But it was, I, see, I wanted to get it done that day. Mm. Like I knew that, that was my book. I knew I wanted to get it done. And then I was like, I don't know, I'm going to wait because it could be expensive. Right. And then, like, time goes on, I forgot about it, but I had, like, a sketchbook that I would write in it. And I took just the words, you know, serenity to accept, courage to change, wisdom to know. Mm. Just that out of the whole prayer. Because the prayer is pretty long. Right. But I took that, and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'd originally planned for it to go sideways across my arm, not up and down like it is. And... I forgot about it. And I went and did this thing for a, a biker group. You know, they had like a little raffle thing or whatever. And I got a certificate for a tattoo for $100 at a really expensive joint in Menor. And I'm mm. like, all right. And I'm holding this damn thing the day I got it. And I'm like, where can I go? What what the, what isn't closed yet? Because it was like the middle of the evening. Mm. And I'm like, where can I go? Where can I go? You know, what can I get? And I'm thinking about it all day. I'm like, well, what am I going to get? Duh, the same thing I wanted a couple years ago. I still want it, you know. The the, the original date for my tattoo got pushed back like twice yeah. because, you know, scheduling conflicts and then there I think there was a death that like postponed this the the artist's, you know, appointments and everything. Right. But eventually I got it done. And I think it was like 2 years to the day that I got it done from when I originally wanted it. And it was like I threw up after I got it done because <laughs> I decided to eat brownies instead of a normal meal. Right. And that sugar rush while you're driving probably isn't the best thing ever when you just had your arm stabbed for three and a half hours. Right. Um, but, I mean, some people look at it and they're like, oh, aren't you, aren't you fucking tacky? Like, you got the serenity prayer on your arm. Or like... Oh, you think you think you're really good at recovery just because you got a you know a big ass tattoo and it's right. like whether or not I'm an addict, that tool on my arm is going to get me through a lot of shit. Right. Because I've learned how to use it. Yeah, and and anybody who's looking at addiction or like looking at getting a tattoo or anything like that, and they're looking at it as some kind of like badge. Like, oh, you think you're better at addiction than mm-hmm. me? Hey, asshole. It's not a competition. No. Because we have all fucking... We, we, we failed the race. Yeah. This is the loser's We're all here for a reason, buddy. Right. We, we all got our shit kicked in in Street Fighter Five. This is now the <laughs> loser's bracket, okay? Shut the hell up, sit down, and pick up your sticks, all right? I don't want to hear it. It's like it, when I wanted to be a, a CDC, a chemical dependency counselor. Mm. Um, there was this woman that is very well respected in the rooms. And I was sitting next to her, and I was super excited because I was getting ready to go back to school again. And I, at the time, didn't know I had some shit to take care of before I could go back to school. But I was dead set 
that I was going to get into like a psychology degree and I was going to be a CDC and Ugh. I was going to, I was going to work. Well, I was going to work in, in like rehabs and shit. Mm. And like, because I've been there, it's better than one of these dipshits that's just reading out of a textbook and thinks they know what they're talking about. Goes and takes a 45 minute course online and is yeah. certified as a, as a psychologist. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, fuck it. Why not? Right? And I'm all gung-ho. And she's looking at me. And she's like, what are you so excited for? I'm like, I'm going back to school. And she says, oh, let me guess. You want to be a dependency counselor. Just like everybody else that walks in this room. And I was like, oh, fuck you, bitch. I still held that resentment towards her. And she's very well respected. And she's like, oh, I know everything. And I, I've done all the steps and da-da-da. And it's like, I can understand. Because mm. she's a very powerful woman. She's very, like... Regal, sort of. Uh, in a way. Okay. She's, she's just well-respected. She speaks her mind. You know, she takes care of business the whole night. But it's just, like, for her to say something like that, I was like, you fucking bitch. But see, when she... What go, the fuck? But see, for her right there, that should have... De- that right there, that little uh, incident that you had with her should have discredited everything that she's ever done. To an extent. Because you can't... In, in, is at least what I've seen in mm-hmm. the couple of meetings that I've gone to, you're all there to help one another. You're there to help raise the other person up and help those that need help. Okay. Now for her to sit there and go, Oh, you want to be, Oh, yes. Bless you. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to fight that damn thing off for the whole episode. <laughs> but for her to sit there and go, Oh, you want to be a, a chemical dependency counselor just like everybody else? Well, bless you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Damn it! Here we go again. It's always here. I don't know what it is. See, you're sneezing. I'm breaking out in hives. Like it's got mutating. It's got to be something in the air. It's probably something in the water. But uh, <laughs> but no, for for her to sit there and go, um. You know, oh, you want to be a chemical dependency counselor just like everybody else and do like that kind of, oh, uh, you know, that type of attitude. Mm-hmm. First off, fuck you. If you're so well respected and you're so, you know, well liked in your field, then you should be fucking giddier than a pig and shit that I want to do this with my life. That I want to help other people deal with this fucking disease. But the fact that you sat there, placated what I said, and then made me feel like total dog shit because of it. You should get punched in the fucking throat with a four by four. Yeah, she was not tactful about it or anything. I was like, like if you could, he- if you could speak, eye roll. Right. That was her voice in that moment. Which again, and I'm she- like, what the fuck? Which again, should have <laughs> should have immediately discredited her. Everything like it doesn't matter if she's a well respected member of the community. It doesn't matter if she's a fucking governor or whatever. Anybody who goes and says, oh. You want to do this, uh, and then do that laissez-faire, you know, mm-hmm. eye roll type shit. Fuck you. At least I'm trying to do something to help people. What are you doing? You're sitting here and, and you know, fucking playing living with your... Living off your husband's pension. Right, living off your husband and not doing anything that you should be doing to help these fucking people. At least I'm making an attempt to, you know, better people's lives. Yeah. And I don't talk to that woman very often. Let's go find her. Let's go, let's go kick the shit not. out of her. Let's go kick the shit out no, of her in a parking lot at Walmart. No, it's okay. No? I, like, I'm feeling feisty. My shirt's not off. I'm going to go find her. I'm going to go beat her. Your ass. shirt's not off? You're not wearing a shirt. I know. You haven't what, been wearing a shirt. I know. I, I haven't. I hope that makes somebody uncomfortable. I hope it does, too. And this I hope, whole time, Phil's just not wearing a shirt. I haven't been. 
I haven't been wearing a shirt since we decided to record this episode. No, I, you, you you ripped your shirt off and you were like, I'm not wearing a shirt. Well, because I thought it would help. I mean, are you comfortable? I don't want to be addicted to my shirt. Oh my God. I had to. <laughs> I had to make one incredibly insensitive joke in there at least once. I'm sure you'll make another one by the end of this. No, probably not. Because this is this is a big boy issue. This is a big topic issue. It is. It's 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 legitimately an epidemic. And it's not going away. And you know what? And that go that also right there, that epidemic, that plays into the level of ignorance that I had too with um before you and I got together. The big thing that was floating around was fentanyl, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody being Still is. well. I mean, but like when it was in high it was gear, booming, yeah, high yeah. gear, like what a year, year and a half ago or whatever. I know it was before you and I got together, and I was under like I was so sick and tired of like every time on the news it was these people that you know they were getting high in their car and they were getting knocked out and then narcaned and brought back and then not arrested and then doing it again some people had their kids in the car and i'm like you know what and and this is going to be probably the shittiest thing you've ever heard me say i'm like you know what fuck them let them go if they're because again that plays into the level of ignorance that i had when it came to addiction and Mm -hmm. i'm like if these people want to go and make the choice to do this not only in front of their children, but with their children in the vehicle. What happens if that? Ve- what happens if they were driving? You know, if the if the dad was sitting in the passenger seat and said, "Here, you know, I'll hold the steering wheel. You do whatever mm-hmm. y- you know they do," and then they both pass out, hit a tree, kid dies, parents are okay. They they couldn't live with themselves. It just perpetuate the addiction. Exactly, and then it would get worse, and then they would get into more heinous, more and more heinous shit, or do double what they were, or even triple, or quadruple, or you know. But that came from anger, because I was sick of seeing people with children. I was sick of seeing. I think more more of it was the fact that I hated the fact that there were children being exposed to this at such a young age. And then I kind of saw a little bit of myself in them and mm-hmm. that I didn't want to see them go through the same kind of shit that I went through. Like, granted, my mom never did drugs in front of me. She smokes weed in front of me, but it's like, okay, whatever. I've seen my best friend smoke weed in front of me. That That's nothing different. Yeah. But. What about the bitch who smokes cigarettes in front of you? <laughs> exactly. Marie. Marie. That's another addiction. I, I swear that's fucking harder to give up than the alcohol was. I believe it. You know, and you know what? I believe it would be easier to get to, or not easier. I I believe it's harder to give up a nicotine addiction just because Mm. of how easily accessible it is. It's so. Like, it's inexpensive, but it's still expensive. Not even that. It's just, it's so socially acceptable. Yeah. Like, to go out to the bar is also socially acceptable, especially for people our age. Uh So that's hard. Because I want to be able to get up on a, on a Saturday and, you know, you and me go down downtown Willoughby. We're going to get some barrio and some drinks. And we're going to have a great time. We're going to walk around and play Pokemon. Get a little bit of buzz going because it's going to be chilly out. You know, that way we're nice and warm. And then by the time we're all the way sobered up, it's time to go home. Or, like, living together. You know, crack open a bottle of wine. Right. And relax with a movie or something. You know, or some wine coolers because Mike's Heart was my shit. Disney Plus because I'm a fucking child and I need to watch all two seasons of The Mandalorian. I mean, yeah. But 
you know, I, I want to do those kind of things. And then I'm like, wait, Marie, you can't. And then I get mad at myself because I'm like, well, you fucked it up for yourself. You know, you were you were young and you had to do it all then. And yeah, but how much life have I gained back from not, you exactly. know, drinking? Exactly. And a lot of that, too, like you could, it, it, I mean, Christ, we've already done that. My best friend asks me all the time. She's like, what's the difference between cracking open a beer and cracking open a Coke? Nothing. So drink the fucking soda. Like, you're right. But, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's it's not as acceptable for me to go out to play pool or whatever with my friends. And they're all drinking something. And it's just me with a Coke or, or a Sprite. It's like, oh, I feel a little left out. But why? Right. It's the same thing when I go to these meetings or when I hang out with my friends and they're all smoking. It's like, well, I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to be the odd man out. Well, yeah. and that was kind of like when you and I started dating, or like when we at least first started going out. Mm-hmm. The first date we went on, I had what a couple of beers there. Yeah, and it was after that date. I never. I still to this day haven't picked up a single one. Really? Have not done it. I remember you had a cigarette with me once, and then you're like, I can't do this, and you flicked it. Yeah, it was. And then like, I think it was last episode you told me you had a problem with them, or you were smoking them because you were upset. I was smoking them because I was depressed. Yeah. And I thought that was, like, the thing it's to do. It's an addiction. Yeah, well, I thought that was what you were supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Oh, I, babe. Well, because, like I, like, I don't know, like, I've gone through, you know, various different forms of depression. You know, like, okay, had my heart broken, depressed. Okay, oh, I'm not doing too well in life right now. I'm kind of in a financial shithole. Depressed. Oh, I got to work two jobs just to make ends meet. Depressed. Oh, I got to work till, you know, and then yeah. this, that, and the other thing. But then, like, it, I think it was different Wait because... Wait until you go through some serious grief, depressed, tell me you don't want a cigarette. Oh, no, you... you That's going to be the worst. No, here's the thing. <laughs> you, like, when, when that happens, and mm. we both know what that grief moment will be, you, you have to, like, strap me to a couch or something, because I will be inconsolable. Oh, don't worry. I uh, I will be just. I, will I won't be let a, you go through what I did. I will be a way. complete blubbering mess. Um, I will be nothing short of a rampaging ride on, just ready to burn everything to the ground. That's fine. And I'll take care of you. Uh, it's my job. Sad. But no, don't think about it right now. We're talking about addiction, not death. We <laughs> talk about death in a different episode. Well, no, and that, and but like again, that goes to the um, the level of ignorance that I had when it came to depression too, because like I said, I I was smoking a pack of menthols. Oh, yeah, Newports. Oh, yeah. I but can now, make so many jokes out of that. But I will tell you, cigars. Yeah. Hit different. I've never actually smoked a cigar. It is it is terrifyingly difficult. It is painful if you don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I think I think a lot of the the ignorance that comes with addiction is not knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing or not doing and who you can talk to. Because again, this shit kind of is perpetuated by popular culture and made it seem so socially acceptable and that's why i think it's different with us um because it's yeah it would be socially normal quote unquote and acceptable for two 20 something year olds to go to downtown willoughby to get some barrio and then to walk over to the shitty uh, the two shittiest bars in the entire western hemisphere uh 1899 and valentine's and I'd rather go to malarkey's 
that's fine. I would rather go to uh, the fucking sewers with um, Pennywise the Dancing Clown <laughs> than go to 1899 or Ballantines again, because I hate both of those places. I've never been to either. 1899 is like, okay, think of the nastiest, like, the most nastiest, gnarliest shit you've ever taken. Okay. And then put a bow on it. Okay? Oh. It's still worse than that. Oh. And Ballantines is the same shitty turd with the bow on it, but there's a whole bunch of, like, Michael Kors bags around it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> It's a just pi- a pile of shit with a bow on it, and then like Michael Kors stacked yeah. around it. Yeah, it's like they're trying to summon the demon of Michael Kors, and then they just put a, a Louis Vuitton heel in the middle of the shit, and it starts glowing. Everybody who like all of the the basic blonde bitches named Brittany, um, they all and Ashley and Ashley. What they do is they have like a ceremonial cult. A Brashley. Yeah. They have a Brashley. They, they have a Brashley. And then they go and take a giant steak butcher's knife and they plunge it into the heart of a Louis uh, Louis Vuitton um, heel. Oh my God. And it's some, I don't know. It, it's bad people. They're bad people. <laughs> That's, it's just bad juju. It's, it's just so, bad people. So, okay, for the sake of the scenario, we go to Malarkey's. How's that? Malarkey's is a good place. That's where I spent my 21st birthday. Malarkey's is, uh, Malarkey's is a place where you can go uh, and you can be safe. But it's also a place where you can go and all of the, the college, high school freshmen think they're Irish. Just because they go to a school that's, like, named after, like, an Irish guy. Or, my grandfather is, like, 0.3% Irish. Fuck you. My name's, you know, my last name is uh, Michaels. My last name's Brown. My last name is uh, not able to be pronounced by most of the American public. (laughs) I got McTeague, McTighe. I've got McTighe once, McTiggy. Um, and every other Mick under the sun. And I'm like... Come from the line of Brodericks, by the way. Yeah? Uh-huh. Did you uh, hear that dollop episode? About I the dollop? Or about the Yeah, the no, I have, I have documents about that. I showed you that when I, you were at my house. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, I'm from a line of princes and, and kings and shit. Bitch ain't rich, though. No, I'm not. I am, I am, uh, bottom of the barrel. Bottom of the I am the uh, the cousin that shows up randomly at family gatherings, going, "Hey, let me let me borrow twenty bucks. Come on." Just. And then everybody goes, "Who invited that guy?" Like I show up and I look like fucking Beetlejuice. Like, "Hey, how's it going? Let me just, come on, man. Just let me get twenty bucks." Hey, how's it going? Wow, you grew up. Hey, what's going on, kid? You know. And oh my god. Yeah, it's it's pretty heinous. I mean, um, that was pretty heinous. That's that's what that is. Addiction's bad. Um, and we need addictions, but okay. But I think more importantly, um, all, um, horrendous jokes aside, I think what we need to do is to stop criminalizing people that have a problem. We need to stop criminalizing them and we need to stop making them feel like they're lesser human beings because they have a drug dependency or an alcoholic you know, dependency. And we need to start giving those people the help that they deserve 
Less funding for putting them in jail is more funding for putting them in treatment. It would cost... It costs more now for petty drug crimes than any other crime that's happened in America in the last 15 years. And our prisons are overpopulated, We and they're like, well, we need to build more. No, we don't. We don't need more prisons. We don't need more wardens. We don't need more guards with guns and we don't need more you know i mean we don't need that shit we need better programs we need better funding Mm -hmm. we need better understanding of what addiction is and we need to teach people even from an early age i would say as early as freshmen in high school that hell even earlier than that even middle schoolers these days are even getting addicted there has to be some level of that's right, I'm calling you out, Ryan. Yeah. Damn kids. Be cool, don't jewel. Be cool, don't jewel is the official statement of the two mics in a mingo podcast. Um, but no, like I think uh, but yeah, we, we need to we need better programs, we need better funding for these programs from the government, and we need people in government to understand that yeah, this isn't this is an issue that happens to us common folk, but God damn it, it it, it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And we need to stop looking at people that have an addiction problem as like lesser beings because they're not. Addiction is bad. People are okay. Yeah. It, it's, you remove the, you remove the disease of addiction. You care for the person how it should fucking be it's it's really not that hard and but i it's don't those people who constantly are like no it's a choice it's a choice it's a... well yeah like i said the first time's a choice right. after that if you're the one who ha- was pre-wired for an addiction or whatever mm. you're fucked i'm sorry right. that's the best way i could put it you're fucked absolutely so go ahead and degrade me and tell me everything i did was a choice go ahead and tell me that i'm the one that put my life in that position sure i might have done some shit to lead up to it but I tell you what, I didn't plan to be an addict. I didn't plan to to whine and and, and, and and obsess and constantly just grapple for the next. Right. You know, that's not what I wanted for myself. I wanted to get through college. I wanted to be a, a productive and respectable member of society. But instead, I got the shit under the heel, and here we are. But that stigma has to be, you know, kind of chucked out the fucking window, too. And anybody that believes that... You know, somebody who is an addict can't be a respectable member of society. It's total horseshit. It's total fucking garbage because those people don't understand. Have have I have clearly never dealt with like the uh, what is it? The myth of like the phoenix rising from the ashes after it's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's life passes and then it begins again, brand new, stronger than it was before. It's like yeah, that's that's kind of how life works. You get the shit beat out of you. For a good 75% of your life, you get the absolute dog shit kicked out of you. And then you stand up and you go, okay, now I'm ready to fight back. But when you have people that criminalize you and that make you feel like garbage because you made a choice, it's like, well, what fucking bad choice have you ever made? You know, it's like you want to follow those people through, like, say, the grocery store. And when they go to pay for their stuff and they immediately hit no, I don't want to donate any money to the food bank. Even a fucking dollar, you know. 
Sometimes you can't. Right. So what? You're gonna you're gonna tell me I'm a shit person because I can't give up a dollar? Sorry, my bills got to get paid before those mouths get fed. Exactly. It's it, as, it, as shitty as it feels to say, you know, somebody else is going to donate five dollars because they have the means to do so. Right, and it's not like you know, it's it's not a selfishness issue. It is an issue of I have to do what I have to do to make sure that I'm able to wake up the next morning with a roof over my head and food mm-hmm. in my stomach and food in my pantry and in my refrigerator. But what are the people that are criminalizing me? doing about it you know they're not looking at it like that they don't care because they're not the ones they're not the ones with boots on the ground going wow there's a fucking problem we Mm -hmm. should get this fixed no they're like oh well yeah somebody else take care of it yeah somebody the the next in line after me will take care of it Mm -hmm. it's like if if not you then fucking who if it's not gonna get done now it's not gonna fucking get done if not now when right but the when is never because they, th- that's how they view it. They look at it and go, no, it's not going to get done because it's too costly. It's too expensive. It costs too much. It doesn't too many matter years. as much as getting oil out of the Middle East and doing a needless war. Exactly. No, it, I mean, uh, I'm all for um, the needless fracking and drilling into the Earth's core to get the black goo to make my uh, Vroom Go-Go juice. Absolutely. Um, that's total sarcasm. I'm also uh, comp- uh, pro- eh, a complete. Um, I'm completely for the fact that we have weapons that could just completely demolish somebody from fucking six states away. And that's gonna turn the freaking frogs gay. Turn the freaking frogs gay. I wanted to be known that I fucking hate Alex Jones. <laughs> I hate that man so goddamn much, and I, I want to fight Alex Jones. I want to challenge. Can you stop formally challenging no. people on my podcast? No, because goddamn it, I'm these... gonna get another co-host because you're up now. You have fought at least three celebrities in my living room already. There, there is no... a blood stain that won't come out of my curtains. I am going to fight Mark II version of Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm gonna film it. It's gonna be a pay-per-view event. And I don't you know what it's gonna be, be walking no, on fuck fucking nuts and bolts and in you know my living gonna, room. You know what it's gonna be called? The pay-per-view when I fight Mark Zuckerberg the second time. It's gonna be called Mark Zuckerberg versus Philip McTie Two. The Zuckening. I'm ending this podcast. And I'm charging sixty-five ninety-nine. And then as a special guest referee, I'm gonna fight Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos and I are going to fight in a Japanese death match. And I'm going to smoke that bitch. <laughs> I'm ending this episode. Alex I, Jones, I, I'm, I'm formally challenging you to armed combat with arms. I'm. This podcast does not exist anymore. You've done broke the internet. I, that's fine. And I'm not even on the internet right now. I got the little dinosaur on, on Chrome that wants to play Jump Over the Cacti. I'm challenging him. Stop challenging people. This is not addiction, not your fighting addiction. It is an addiction. It's an addiction. You have an addiction I... to fighting people who are not going to hear this podcast and who are not going to fight you. That's not very cash money of you. Oh my God! <laughs> birds work for the bourgeoisie. The birds do work. Your name is Bird. Hi, babe. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Son fight of a me. Bitch. Fight I knew me, it. motherfucker. I knew it. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Fight me. I'm gonna 
Ugh. Why do you think I've been drawing all those mangoes? God damn it. It all makes so much sense now. The birds work for the bourgeoisie. I'm coming for you, Zuckerberg. You're first on my list. <laughs> You're a bird. Motherfucker. <laughs> you gecko-looking bitch. Not you. <laughs> she sprouted wings. She is She is out and she is flying. She is flying. She is now a metamorphosized. Cool, now I have control of the podcast. Hey, Google. What does a flamingo sound like? This is a flamingo. <laughs> they're, laugh- they're laughing. You know the snap you sent me with my big head this morning? <laughs> Remember? You sent me a snap this morning uh, from, like, last week when I was over. Oh, yeah. And that kind of low-key sounds like the Mingos. I know. It's the call of the Mingo. I love flamingos. I'm going to make another playlist on Spotify called Call of the Mingo. You already did. I'm going to make another one called Call of the Mingo 2, the Minganing. The Minganing. I think I have an addiction to flamingos. I mean, my my phone is flamingo pink. Okay. Like, I need to get a case with flamingos on it. Yes. Addiction's bad, and we need to stop criminalizing people. Okay, that's that's all I got. That's all you got? That's all I got. I'm sure there will be a follow-up episode to this. Addiction 2. The addicting. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. You were right. I wasn't going to make another insensitive bullshit You're joke. really good at insensitive bullshit jokes. But I still love you, so it's okay. I love you, too. E. Yeah. No. I, 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 I stand with those who struggle and those who are in recovery. Because they're still struggling, let's be honest. This pandemic has not been easy on any of us. No. They've taken away our meetings. They've taken away the camp out. They've, they, they've done a lot. To where we don't have much anymore, and this pandemic has made it very fucking lonely. But we're getting through it one day at a time. That's all we can do. I think there's there. I think there is a way that we can bring all these people together, and that is to uh, pay for. We're not doing your fucking Phil McTie versus Mark the Cyborg Zuckerberg. One night only. Rumble in the rumble in the rubble. And this is how we get the Rona. This is how uh, I fight the Rona. Zuckerberg is not Rona. Bullshit. He made it. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm gonna fight him in a quarry. So people stay home and play on Facebook more. Yes. Uh, speaking of face, stay home. Uh, stay six feet apart. Wash Stop your hands. touching your face. Don't touch your face. Even though I've had my hand all over my face today. I have to. And that's the other thing. You know what? That's the one thing I never understood about this. What? Why are they? Why are people telling them to stop touching their face? Because your That hands, is an infringement on my face-touching rights. Your hands carry a lot of germs, especially like under your nails and on your fingertips and in the creases of your knuckles. And you could pick up the Rona on your hands and then like you're touching your face, which touches your mouth, your nose holes, your eye holes... Your ear holes, and those are all very sensitive, uh, warm, dark, wet cavities behind there, and that's where the Rona will breed and thrive. Everything you just said kind of sounded like a passage from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, it was supposed to sound really sexual, but I was trying to sound really smart, and it wasn't working. Anyway, it I'm did, wearing a shirt. Phil's not. I'm not wearing a shirt. I'm I'm uh, protesting. 
Protesting what? The rumble in the rubble. I Mark Zuckerberg. Stop. This is not a real thing. Do. Somebody's going to hear this and be like, when is it? Is it <laughs> That's fine. Let them. I want them to. Do- I want to see. I, okay, here is what I want out of this fi- uh, fictitious fight between me and Mark Zuckerberg. I want that to be a trending topic on fucking Google. Ty <laughs> versus Zuck. Ty versus Zuck. The rumble in the rubble. Mark Zuckerberg versus Phil the Mick McTie. Um, Mick! I'm coming How for you. How derogatory can you get? Well, I mean... Suck it, Zuck it. Oh, <laughs> that's a fucking merch item. That's like the dollop in, in No Sleep Till Hippo. Do you know what else is a merch item? These mingos. Yes, uh, Tara is going to be painting and drawing mingos. Mingaronies. In different. A macaroni mingo. A mingo doing macaroni art. <laughs> and he's so proud of it and he picks it up and he's like, look, I did it. But he's tolerating it. But he's tired. God damn it. <laughs> anyway. No, so, yeah. Uh, Tara, we'll talk more on that later. Yeah. Tara's, Tara's a painter. She's an artist. I'm not a fucking painter. She's a painter. My dad was a painter. I Your dad um, is a man. Uh, suck my ass. Yeah? Is that everything? Is that uh, all we I'm got? edit that out. Okay. Is that everything we got today? I think that's it. Okay. There'll definitely be a part two. I think. Yeah, we'll probably come back to this. Okay. I also have... Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Hey, Phil. Yeah. Something you're super grateful for. Something I'm super grateful for? Well, and you I'm can't gl- say me, and you can't talk about your fucking rumble in the rubble. Well, I'm super glad you asked, Tara, because something I'm super grateful for I swear to God, is the fact that I will be going back to my regularly scheduled program of... Uh, that's a wrap available also on Spotify. Um, now the, the format of that podcast is going to be changing as we are going to be doing once every other week, uh, for episodes. But the main thing that I'm super grateful for is not only that I get to do this podcast with you, but the fact that we could sit here and have intelligent conversations about things that one person knows more than the other and somebody can leave with a little bit of knowledge. Because knowledge is power. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! And that, kids, is how you get... you didn't see that coming pisses me that's off. How, that's how you get addicted to crack. Hey, Tara. What? What are you grateful for? Bitch, I'm ungrateful today. <laughs> You are ungrateful today. You, you've been... Listen! See, I paid for your subway. Yeah, she, thank you. Huh, JK, but what if... No, thanks. <laughs> I appreciated the sandwich. No, what are, you, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that I got to snuggle up last night and sleep full fucking night. In bed, instead of going to work, <laughs> I really didn't feel good, but laying in bed and being able to sleep solidly and soundly was like, yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. So you you weren't grateful for uh, the rumble in the rubble? I'm just kidding. I love you. Don't hate me. 
because it's the beginning of a murder scene. Nice. Murder in Hollywood land. Which is another excellent podcast you should listen to, by the way. Okay, bye. I'm going to fucking slit your throat. Why? Fucking slit your throat. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh. Guys, so Two Mics and Amingo has finally started up a Patreon. Starting on October 1st, you can begin donating to help fund our fun video ex- expeditions, and uh, we'll start up some merch sales. Anything from $1 to $15 will get you monthly behind-the-scene access to pictures, bloopers, um, maybe new and bonus content. We'll see how things go, you know. Donations anything over 15 will result in a hand-drawn mango in the trouble of your choosing, signed and shipped to you. Trouble of your choosing means you get to pick the trouble that the mango will be in in the picture. So, like, if you want this to be, like, a pirate mango, well, he's probably going to be standing on the plank. You get the gist. All donations will be used to fund the podcast and the mango merch. You don't have to donate to enjoy our content, though. Remember that. Uh, Share this with your friends, your family, your local terrorists. Keep your ear out. We will be starting Mingo merch soon. Um, More will come up with that later. We're still working on some fine details with that one. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for support. If you would like to to do the whole $30 donation to to, to get this thing, uh, this ball a-rolling, that's www.patreon.com forward slash two mics mingo. That's patreon.com forward slash T W O M I C S M I N G O. Thanks, guys.